0: What's up, everybody? It's Ian from the From the Stands podcast. We have another big podcast coming up for you. Uh, hopefully, you guys all enjoy it. Uh, before we get to it, though, we wanted to give you a little word on our sponsor, Stephen. Sean, let him know. Absolutely.
1: And so as always, make sure to check out our sponsor, Stephen Lee Ambus Real Estate. Stephen's a top producing realtor in the greater Toronto area known for his extensive market knowledge and unmatched devotion to his clients. Whether you're looking to buy, sell or lease, he is there to help guide you through every step of the way. Make sure to check him out on Instagram at homesbysteven or online at homesbysteven.ca. Before we get to the podcast, though, Ian, Big news. We have a brand new contest coming your way, courtesy of Homes by Steven and From the Stands podcast. We're giving away a 16 by 20 signed Mitch Marner picture. Are you excited? Hard
0: not to be excited about that, man. Mitch Marner, the magician. Enough of the plugs. Let's get to the podcast.
2: This is a
1: sports podcast, but this, there is some craziness going on in the world right now. We have to touch on it. Ian, we're back again. We got Tomes, we got Murph, and we got another big podcast coming. So let's dive right into it. Boys, before we get to the NFL, there's been a story. It's kind of a story. Ian, what's, what the hell's going on in the world right now? I, I think some,
0: something is going on. Uh yeah, my dog turned 1 on Tuesday. Oh, good. Well, good thing we So celebrated. that's the thing that's going on in the world. I don't think there's anything else. Now, of course, is the election roaring in the United States right now, and I I I speak for myself on this. I've been completely enthralled by all of it. I've never watched this much news for this much of the time. I've had CNN going for 2 days now. No sleep, doesn't matter. And you know what? It seems like we're roaring towards a decision, and hopefully it's a decision that we can all look back on and, and live with, that's for sure. Well, we have three Canadians on the podcast, and then we have an
1: American. And I would be, love to know if Connor has watched the least of this election out of all of us. I, I would assume you have. Connor, Like, what have you been doing in this entire process? I know that you live in a primarily blue state in Oregon, but what's going on down there?
2: Everyone's on edge, man. It's pretty weird. Like, even in, you know, not just a blue state, but a blue county, you know, you kind of know how this, you know, this area is going to end up voting, but everyone's still on edge to find out the result. Um, It's all I've had on TV. You know, anyone who knows me knows I'm a pretty big MLS fan. I've been skipping Galaxy games and stuff like that, even just because I've been so enamored by everything that's going on.
1: Well, and yes, there's a football game on. There's a football game on right now. But yeah, but yeah, no, so who's, who's that, watching
0: that? <laughs> I'm not. Nobody, not even Packard fans. And before you get going on that, one thing you got to know about Oregon too, is that yes, Oregon is a blue state. Portland is a very blue, you know, parts of Portland, very blue County. But as soon as you get outside of Portland, it's, it's not always as pro-Biden as you'd expect from an outsider, from people who haven't lived there. As soon as you get out of Portland, like it, it, it gets really red really fast. Now, obviously the majority... You know, they called Oregon on election night and God, they're seconds. like, OK, they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah the seconds. West Coast polls open and they're like, OK, you know, Biden gets California, Oregon and Washington. But in Washington State's the same way. As soon as you get out of those big city centers, as you're seeing on the map, particularly if you're watching CNN and John King is a, is just just a goddamn an boss, boss, the magic,
3: the magic wall.
0: Yeah, and you're watching it, and you know he hasn't shown Oregon or Washington because there's no need to. But when you get outside of those areas, it's super red. So that's the misconception about living in Oregon, and I'm sure Connor's experienced that a ton.
1: Well, this is one of those things, and, and I'm throwing to you here, Tom, as the as the political expert here, is this is something that you have studied? But that is the case across the entire country. Am I right? Where it's the the populous centers, those counties lean blue and then everywhere else leans
3: red. Yeah, a lot of the city centers and you see that across, right, from from west coast to east coast in the middle in between, right? A lot of those those popular city centers are usually blue with 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 dead mayors as well too and as you start getting further and further out from from the downtown cores to the more rural areas, you start seeing more and more red um red counties, right? It's still a lot going on man. It's cr- like We were just talking before we started, right? Like how all of us have been up every night, like late into the early mornings of the next night. And I got to give it to all the people who are covering this and providing all the information. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's great. From a
1: broadcast perspective, if you just broke it down and we've got a lot of broadcasters on this, on, on this, this podcast, if you just break it down, they're mostly saying the same damn thing a lot. Because especially now, there isn't a lot of information coming in, and yet they're keeping our attention. I think that that goes a lot. A big shout out to the actual production team, the, the graphics, everything that you're seeing. Even though it's the same shit over and over and over, oh. for hours on end, you still watch because at every half hour and every hour, you hear that damn music and you are locked in. But let's, let's transition here because we may actually be breaking news on this podcast about who wins this election, but we do have to get to some other awards that, uh, that we want to give out. And on this podcast, last week we did fill in the blanks. And we had a, we had a blast with it. We had an after-hour special, which we did not post. We may. It's in the vault. But we did not post the after-hour special. It, uh, it got a little dark. So we've held that in our back pocket. But now we're at the halfway point of the NFL season. So instead of talking MVP, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, we decided to go a little bit different direction. And we're just going to talk about some of the things that stood out to us, both in the NFL and in fantasy football. So let's start in the NFL. The first award that we are giving out is going to be the most disappointing team. We, I'm, there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of teams that came into this, into this year with a lot of hopes. Ian, who is your award winner for the most disappointing team of the 2020 NFL season? Ah, mid-season. My apologies.
0: Well, to me, there's a lot of there's a lot of 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 teams that could that could vow, that could you know that could get this title um, halfway through the year. You know, teams that come to mind, or and teams that I liked preseason. The teams that jump out to me are teams like Dallas and Minnesota. But to me, you know, those teams are. Um, those teams are eliminated only because of the massive injury, you know, for someone like Minnesota, Denley Hunter. I mean, I can't stress enough how big that injury is. And then someone like Dallas, I mean, obviously Dak Prescott, you know, uh, Dak Prescott injury is as big as any that's going right now. Um, to me, a team that I predicted was going to be really good and has really gone the other way. Honestly, is the new England Patriots. And The reason, yeah, you had them at eleven wins. I had them at ten or eleven wins. You know, they play in a shit division, and I like their schedule. I thought Cam um, Cam looked good early. I was really, really feeling it, and I think since he got COVID, things have really, really gone off the rails. And we'll get into New England's matchup later with the Jets, but New England to me is the biggest disappointment. I expected some chip on the shoulder stuff from Belichick um but unfortunately what's happened with New England is you can only blow so many draft picks before you know the Tom Brady's and those kind of guys start you know that stuff starts to matter and you know you can only pull so many undrafted free agents out of your ass before again you have to start hitting your draft picks i mean if you're thinking about you know the the guys that New England has missed on i mean take last year's draft for example um all of the receivers that they've passed up on, you know, I mean, you look at just, just receiver in general, you know, think of the guys, DK Metcalf this year was Justin Jefferson, you know, and, and last season they were taking guys like in Kill Harry. And it's just, it's just really hard. It's really hard to, to build a team this way. And now Julian Edelman's out and Gilmore has been in and out and they just have no hope. So to me, mine is the new England Patriots. And frankly, as much as Belichick deserves a, like, a massive amount of credit for the dynasty they've had for the last 20 years. The reason it's collapsing so quickly is falling on his shoulders because of how poorly he's drafted. So I got new
1: England. So Connor, are you buying the theory that's going around social media and it's being peddled mostly by new England Patriots fans that secretly bill Belichick is tanking the season and he is making this big charade to get a high draft pick potentially to draft Trevor Lawrence. Are you buying that? Are you siding with Ian that this is of their own doing and that they just aren't talented enough.
2: I think it's more their own doing. I really I really don't think they're talented enough. And this you know, I'm also someone who, I mean, even two weeks ago, I was saying that I thought that the Patriots were kind of in that upper level of the league still. And boy, has that not been the case since I said that, but they, they just haven't looked right. Like you said, Ian, Cam hasn't looked right since he got COVID. This team looks, you know, it's not even like uh, it's not even like the Ravens right where the offense looks off. They just don't look good. They don't look good trying to move the ball. Cam doesn't look like Cam. Uh, That defense, you can tell they're trying to sub certain packages in and out a lot because they don't necessarily have those bedrocks that they always had. So they're trying to kind of counterpunch whatever they think the offense on the other team is going to throw out. Nothing really – this doesn't look like any of the Patriots teams that Belichick's won with, and that's what's been kind of surprising for me. Are
1: they Um, your team? I know I threw to you about the the Patriots. I appreciate you, you filling in the listeners on that. Are, are they also your team? Or are you going in another direction?
2: They were. I mean, I also I kind of had the Vikings in there. I, I get they've had injuries, but they still, you know, there was a lot of people. The offense about has
0: been them. relatively untouched when you think. Yeah. About
2: yep. Totally. But that's a, this is a team that a lot of people thought had a chance to sneaky win that division. I, I do think that they're better than two and five um
1: and they upgraded at wide receiver from Diggs to jefferson so you have to think that their offense is coming in better right tomes D- Diggs stinks right this he is the gone. man
0: he is the man
2: he's
1: the, the man. absolute Diggs. man Diggs stinks uh so you, you have the patriots with your runner-up being the vikings connor
2: yeah my, my runner-up would be the vikings i'd almost i'd almost lean towards my disappointing one being the vikings just because i still think you know okay. i still didn't have the patriots winning that division
1: no, so we got one vote Patriots, one vote Vikings. Tom's, uh what do we got here?
3: Yeah, Ian, you uh, mentioned if, if you
1: go, you, you can go with the Eagles. Just so you know,
3: if you know they're what's on funny, my list. Hold, hold on, I'll, I'll I'll get to it. But Ian made a very good point, and and it's hard to look at teams, especially facing just decimation of it, of injuries, right? But I look at who's injured on, at what position, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You, you nailed it on the head with Dallas. I mean, there was very high expectations in Dallas this year, but when you lose your franchise quarterback it's real tough to, to to pin that as as a team that's going to underperform now because of that with that being said and you got to give me some a couple points here to to get my point across i did pick the eagles i did pick the eagles the eagles to me are the most disappointed team and i yeah i'm a big fan i watch this team more than anything but yeah and again to to, to Ian's point yes injuries has have plagued this team as well too but I look at all these other teams, but Carson Wentz is still there and relatively healthy, other than the beating he's been taking since since Mike Vick played for the Eagles, because that guy had no no line back then. But right. I, I, one of the biggest issues I have is is the play calling has just not suited him, and it doesn't look proper, right? And he, and when you finally Tom, look he's, like he's been terrible. He's been terrible, he no, but he has, he's been terrible. And this is one of the big reasons too. Right. And he's made a lot of bad decisions And you look at that with the turnover ratio and with the interceptions that he's throwing. Right. And you go overall, I mean, like there was high hopes for this team. You know, you go up and you sign Darius Slay and Robbie Coleman and, and you think, and you move Jalen Mills to safety, which has been an abomination. It's been a disaster. And, and for the most part, they've still managed to keep it somewhat together on defense, but, this is a team 23rd in points scored. Okay? 26th in yards a game and 26th in passing yards a game. And tw- and then on the on the defensive side, I said, yeah, they got some good things, but they're 24th in stopping the run. This is supposed to be a team with a with a top 5 defensive line. Right. But their their holes again are, are what they failed to address at, at the linebacker position, which we've talked about before. And this is a team still running on the coattails of a 2017 Super Bowl win. So So
1: Yeah, so and that I agree with you. Like there's no shortage of disappointing teams to throw around. anything else you want to get out about the Eagles before we
0: uh, before we finish?
1: No.
0: no, 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 no. Okay, perfect. So, well, hold, hold on, hold on. Because I, 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 I want to get, what get the mine. Eagles, in. I think what the Eagles have exposed, what happened there is that I think it's starting to expose that Doug Peterson just may not be a good football coach. And we need to start giving, as Tom said a couple of podcasts ago, Frank Reich his due as the guy who was the real architect behind that super bowl winning offense and and
3: and john i just i just want to add i know he had a rough time but john de filippo as well too because he mm -hmm. did some magical things with Wentz when he was there for sure and i think
0: and i think what you're seeing you know carson was obviously having an MVP season um at the time and then Foles took over and reich was able to build something around him and you see what Foles is now he's a complete shell of whatever that person is and you know, he's not able to do it. And, you know, Reich deserves credit for that to, you know, and we're noticing that Peterson just may not be a good coach. So Sean, who's your most disappointing team?
1: So the, there was a couple that I had. So I think you've glossed over who clearly is the most disappointing team, but uh, you know, I had the Texans in there, but again, very mm-hmm. predictable. Their schedule was really difficult, but I think, and I think the disappointing factor comes from just more so that dark cloud that looms over that trade in the off season. Uh, I also had the Patriots in here, but this is the differentiator for me. The Patriots have looked terrible, have been disappointing, but before Cam got COVID, to Connor's point, were very good. The Dallas Cowboys, how about them, Cowboys, are the most disappointing team in the NFL. It, it's not even close. They, coming into the season, I came on this podcast, we did the over unders. They were a lock for 10 plus wins, a lock. And yes, we're talking about injuries. Prescott played four and a half games. They should have been 0-5 in those games. And it's not like they're playing the Steelers and the Chiefs. You know, they're playing the Rams and that crazy Falcons game. And yes, the Seahawks, they they, they lost. That's a great team. Cleveland, like at home. And and then they played the Giants. Like this is not murderer's row. And they were awful with Prescott. And he he was balling and they were awful. The most disappointing team in the NFL is the Dallas Cowboys. Let's flip. Let's flip. Gears one here team. One this.
0: team. I want to mention for before, before we start. Sure, because yeah, you had a couple. I, I pushed you. One, one team I had on my list. Another team I had on my list that is starting that the record wouldn't dictate that is the New Orleans Saints. I've been extremely absolutely. Dis- I've been extremely disappointed. In the New Orleans Saints. We talked about how they were going to be the best team in the NFC. They're not even the best team in their own division. And look, yeah, they're five and two this week's game that we're going to get to is going to tell a lot. But I'd say New Orleans, that defense is extremely disappointing. Um, You know, the offense, I get the injuries in and out. I don't want to go there. But the defense to me has been extremely, extremely disappointing. So I, uh, you know, Cam Jordan's still an animal, obviously, but I, I have New Orleans on that list as well. So let's go to the biggest surprise team. This is the biggest surprise award. So we all gave out a different
1: team. Four the most disappointing. I had the Cowboys. Tomes had his Eagles. Connor had the Vikings, followed closely by the Patriots. Ian had the Patriots. The biggest surprise team, Connor. There's not as many surprises as there are disappointments, but there are a couple good ones.
2: So I think there's one that I'd be shocked if nobody had. Which is okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I think the Bears being five and three is pretty surprising. To be totally honest, that defense is really good, but I also didn't think they'd be able to move the ball at all. I just – I really didn't. I didn't think – they. Well, they can't move the
1: ball at all, right? No, but
2: that's (laughs) – totally. that. Yeah, very fair. But still in that division, right? I mean, uh, like I said before, a lot of people thought that it would be the Vikings and the Packers kind of battling it out up top and that the Lions would be maybe a step and a half behind them. I, At this point in the season, if you told me they'd be second in that division, I would have said you were crazy.
1: Yeah, and that's with the Lions potentially. Yep, they've gave away what two two wins already. Yep. You know, it's you're right. They, they definitely are surprising. Tomes, why don't you follow up there with yours with your winner of the biggest surprise team?
3: Yeah, yeah, like you said, not not clearly as many um, when it comes to disappointing, but one that that really struck me is a team that is is first in yards per game, top fifteen in passing, and, and second in rush yards a game, and it's the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll tell you and I'll tell you why they had a win loss um, uh, over under this year set at seven and a half. Okay, currently sitting at five and two with with big win over Seattle and early win over San Fran. And, and, and you look at their schedule coming up and what, what happened in the past. You got two tough losses there to Detroit and Carolina, which which I think hurt them. But this is a team that that I think can still potentially win, you know, 11 plus games and, and cover that easily. That over that seven and a half game win or threshold, right? You're seeing absolutely no slump for Kyler Murray. He continues to, to impress us week in and week out. And I absolutely love watching him and, and what he's doing there. And, and if it wasn't for Larry Fitz bringing the age of this, the average age of this team up, it's actually relatively a, somewhat of a younger team, and they're and they're doing this though. At the same time, being twenty third on D in allowing yards per game, so again, seeing a lot on offense. I, I I think this is something that can continue with with what they have left for their schedule, and, and it's and it's to me, it's been it's been a big surprise.
2: So I'm gonna piggyback off of what you just said about the Cardinals. They were kind of they would have been my one B if I didn't kind of go on the bears, I wouldn't call it a tangent, but if I didn't, you know, end up talking about the bears there, just because I really did think it would take cliff another year to figure out, I thought it was going to take him one more draft to really figure out the, you know, where he was wanting to go with his defense. I know he wanted to go younger speed, all that kind of stuff. Um, But I really did think it was going to take him another year to hit on some picks and really make that defense, you know, something that could actually get the ball back for the offense.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm gonna jump in here next. I had Arizona also. And I just think that Cliff, and I'm not gonna go too long because I mean Tom's you're exactly right. I think I do think Cliff has really found an identity and found exactly what he wants to do with Kyler. It feels like they those puzzle pieces sort of fit together really, really well. And you know, that there's just sort of a match made in heaven. And I again, it's you're seeing it every single week. And I think this week is gonna be a really good test. Cause I think that dolphins defense is really good. They are real Brian Brian Flores has those guys balling. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, I think with Arizona, they're. The beauty of Arizona is that their best players are playing their best under cliff. Kyler looks great. Hopkins looks great. Buda Baker looks great. I mean, th- this is the stuff you want as your coach, is you want to empower your best players to be your best players, and that's exactly what's happening in Arizona. The defense is better than we expected, and the offense. I, I think you know we're looking top ten DVOA. I think on offense and defense, it's hard to go wrong with that. So they that's are right. real. I have Arizona here. So I disqualified Arizona, and the
1: reason I did was because they were everyone's darling before the season. To shock everyone, it- it's like. You can't be underrated if you're rated by everybody. and that's why I, I disqualified them. They have been very, very good, kind of got lucky against Seattle, but hey, you know you, you're gonna win you're gonna win games like that. And they have been very good. They're top they are literally tenth in DVOA on offense, tenth in DVOA on defense. We'll talk a little bit more about them later as we have that game. I'm shocked. My picks the Dolphins. Uh, mm. I just, I don't know. I, I thought for sure we'd have a couple. When Connor said a few people are going to mention it, I thought for sure the Dolphins were going to be one. No offense, Connor. I, I I don't look at the Bears as, as a surprise because I think that there are a two and six team who's five and three. That's what I think of the Bears. I don't think they're very good, especially on offense. They don't have a running back to speak of. Allen Robinson is literally catching ducks all over the field. It's just, so to me, it's the Dolphins. I thought about the Raiders and the Colts, but I think the Raiders are coming back to earth a little bit. And again, the Colts defense is so good and their division isn't elite. You know, it's, to me, it's the Dolphins. You know, they they were probably going to be okay, but... You know, I, I, my I have a question because we're going to talk about the Dolphins a little bit later, but I'm going to ask it here. Was golf was golf just terrible, or were the Dolphins' defense that good last week? And is the
0: answer just yes, Ian? I think it's both. I also think golf is just bad, and you know when we see that version of golf, we see that version of golf far too often for the good days to be real you know, part of being a good NFL quarterback is being a consistent NFL quarterback. And Jared Goff is none of those things. So, you know, when he has a good day, we can't come in here saying, oh, look how good Jared Goff is. It's like, okay, well, that broken clock is right twice a day. And that was the day. And, you know, that Dolphins defense, yes, they are good against the past because look how much money they're paying their corners. And it's not that that's not rocket science. It's very simple to figure that one out. And, Flores is a great coach, but Jared Goff. I think we can we can put in the column of like Jared Goff is like Kirk Cousins. You just never know what player's showing up, but yes, that Miami defense is real. Well, to
1: be fair, ask the LA Angels. Spending money doesn't always lead to wins. Okay, they haven't won anything in a long time. Sorry, Connor. Uh, Let's get to the next one, and I'll start this one off. Uh, Super Bowl favorite, so. We, we've had the biggest surprise team. We've had the most disappointing, but this is the cream of the crop. And to me, there's a tier. We had Zach Wilson on this week who talked about liking to rank in tiers rather than one through 10. And to me, the, the top tier is that Chiefs, Steelers, Bucks, Seahawks. That's my tier, my top tier. I think the Bucks and the Chiefs have risen above that. I know the Steelers are, are, are undefeated. I understand that, but um, to me, it's the chiefs until, until someone proves that they're not good enough outside of the Las Vegas Raiders. To me, it's the chiefs. Tom's.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think last week when we were looking at, at that Chiefs spread and I said, you know, they, they could get, they looked a little bored at times and maybe that's the case. Maybe not. they, you've completely nailed it on the head, but, but for me, and, and just watching some of the games and and because they're a Pennsylvania team as well, too, Pittsburgh, just, especially on deep, they just look way too good. And I'm still a firm believer by, yeah, you got to score points to win games, but man, if you got a good defense, it's, you're going to make it hard for a lot of teams uh, to win games and put up points against you. And, and, and we've got to see that a little bit the last couple of weeks now with Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, I I think I mean you could say it's a one a one b sort of situation, but um, Pittsburgh man, they're rolling. Even when they don't see to be rolling on offense, like that team to me, they they look scary, right? And 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 on the other side of the ball, same thing with with the Bucs, especially the, the momentum that they're really gathering now. And we'll talk about it later with with a matchup coming down in, in the NFC South there. But but I have Seattle still, and again and. and it's crazy. Seattle I say a that
1: Super Bowl favorite.
3: I, I it's crazy. I say that because of what I just said on the other side at the AFC, where where you need a good defense in order to take care of this because Seattle's defense is, is atrocious. It is it is a bottom team particularly against
0: the pass, particularly against right? the pass.
3: Yeah, and, but but I, I just I cannot get fathom what what Russ and his supporting cast and Pete Carroll is putting together there, and 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 how much I, I like what I'm seeing there. And I and I and I like, and again we'll get into this later with some of some of these other picks I have yeah. too. Just just well, you got the MVP. With, you're in good with, shape with with their schedule with with what they have set up, man. I I I, I really 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 like Seattle.
1: Well, t- Connor, are you going to pick against Tomlin again?
2: God no, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I actually think legally I'm not allowed to pick against Tomlin.
3: Um,
2: I have a lawyer retainer.
1: So are you going to pick a, dip- <laughs> pick a so. different team, then?
2: Yeah, I mean. Really? You're going to bet against them? Well, I think what we'll see this weekend is going to tell us a lot about whether or not the Saints are actually going to be real, right? Uh, Going into the season, everyone talked about how continuity was going to be a big deal. Um, A lot of people loved the teams that were good last year that did everything they could to run it back. Um, And the Bucs are gaining momentum. I I, I really think whoever wins this game this weekend is going to end up being the heavy favorite to end up going to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. Um, and to your point earlier, right? I mean, uh, the Chiefs are almost in their own tier. I didn't even really look at the AFC because that they would be my AFC pick.
0: Yeah, to me, to me, this is so easy. I mean, if we're talking about if we're talking about the Super Bowl favorite, we have to talk about the best team in the league, and the best team in the league is currently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, they have the best defense in the league. Tom Brady is undoubtedly playing like a top five quarterback, and you know, they're adding Antonio Brown. And I I have a hard time believing that in a a locker room with Tom Brady that that Antonio Brown's going to crater that team's chemistry. And Arians isn't putting up with that. So I I see the Brown acquisition as no risk at all. And if he acts like an asshole, Arians just going to cut his ass anyway. So the best team in the league right now is Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. In the AFC, I mean... It's hard to – you know, Pittsburgh's 8-0. Like, you know, how do you complain with that? I complain with that because Patrick Mahomes plays for the Chiefs. So, to me, the Super Bowl the, – the Super Bowl right now goes through Kansas City and Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay is the number one team in the NFL. Yeah, so Tampa is the number one team in the NFL. There's no denying that. By analytics,
1: eye test, they look fantastic. Uh, just clarification, Steelers are 7-0. One of their games was, was uh, pushed this, right. this year because of COVID. Uh, it doesn't matter like to me mahomes is the major difference and until someone beats that guy on a big stage i'm taking them and so i can agree with you the bucks are the best team in the nfl right now but i'm not picking against the chiefs until someone does it so let's get to the fantasy portion of this we've done the nfl weird awards so let's get to the the fantasy side and this this guys is really straightforward we got bust surprise And league winner, which we'll get to in a minute. But let's start with the biggest fantasy bust for you, right? There is obviously objective answers to this when you look at where people were drafted compared to where they net out. That's not as fun. We want to bring in our own feelings about what we thought players would be going into the season and use that here. So, Ian, Mister Fantasy, who was
0: your biggest fantasy bust this year? To me, this is easy. You know, we there were some guys that came across. You know, came across my mind pretty quickly. I think, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a certain player in Dallas that really jumped out to me. Um, There's a certain player in Arizona and definitely a certain player in Indianapolis. But to me, this answer is so easy. The answer is Lamar Jackson is the biggest fantasy bust this season. And to me, you know, that there were a lot of people that were taking Lamar above Mahomes and woof. It has not gone well. It has not gone well for the Jackson fans now. So let let me just throw some things at you from a fantasy perspective. So in 2019, Lamar Jackson had 400 rush yard games. He had 875 plus rush yard games. He had six games where he had more one touch one rushing touchdown or more. He had eight games with three passing touchdowns or more. He was QB one by eight like an absolute fucking mile a mile I think in our personal in our non-PPR weird QB scoring pool I think that he was first to he was first and he was ahead of Dak Prescott by like 80 fantasy points which is just absolutely bonkers to think about the guy was winning fantasy titles on his own last season let's fast forward to 2020 so in 2019, what did we say? He had four, he, he rushed for hundred plus yards as a quarterback four, four times. He's only done that once this year and his 75 plus yard games. He's only done that twice. He's only got two rushing touchdowns and he's only passed for more than three, than three or more passing touchdowns twice this season. This year, he is QB 14. That is below Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert wasn't even the freaking starter all year. And he's above where Lamar Jackson is. Now, look, we can talk all we want about Baltimore and why Baltimore is all weird. Baltimore is weird because Lamar Jackson is objectively not as good this year in fantasy or in real life. Yes, I know there's deep numbers that talk about his efficiency and all that other stuff. No, but you're right. Baltimore was built on the rushing attack between Ingram and Jackson. None of those things are happening this year, and we're wondering why their identity is all screwed up. I have a new rule after this, after this past week, is that no more betting on the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. If it comes up in this, I will try to avoid it as best I can. But you can't trust them because he can't be trusted right now. And that team is not the same. Lamar Jackson is by far the biggest fantasy bust. And honestly, as the reigning MVP, he may also be the biggest NFL bust too, Lamar. Connor, is, tell us why Jerry Judy is the
1: biggest bust in fantasy football
2: boo pause (laughs) boo pause big pause boo who's yours who's yours i went with a guy that's been a bit of a roller coaster here um if you're watching the first two games of the season that cam newton played you're thinking my god i got old school cam Mm -hmm. in the late rounds of my fantasy draft this is a gigantic
0: win well you remember how big of a waiver ad he was huge massive
2: and that's the thing so you get this guy and you're thinking my goodness my team's set you know thank goodness I didn't take a quarterback too early I'm getting insane production out of this guy and then after that at least in standard scoring right you're looking at you know 13 points 13 points negative point three points 16 points you know and those you know that 16 point game might not be what's losing you but you're going to be pretty frustrated after watching those first two weeks
1: so I'm going to break my rule I said we're going to talk about Players that, to, to us, were going to be busts. But I'm going to give myself a bit of patent back. The biggest fantasy bust to me is Clyde, Ed, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's my biggest Hilaire. fantasy bust.
0: Hilaire. Hilaire.
1: My apologies. Chris Collinsworth has told us every single week that he's seen him. He, With that said...
0: Hilaire. That's all they all he was, say. He it. was drafted...
1: Like, chill. He was drafted top eight in most drafts. He's averaging 11 fantasy points per week. They now brought in Le'Veon Bell like to me he's the biggest bust and I am so sick of listening to people tell me all the time like oh I drafted him he's gonna be the guy rookies don't do this we're seeing it with I, I know Dobbins was stuck behind Ingram. but we're seeing it with Dobbins we're you know we're seeing it with Zach Moss like that's not what they step into and that was my point pre-season that's not uh, what excuse these me do. maybe Jonathan Taylor don't throw Jonathan Taylor don't too throw shade at Zach Moss I've don't at everyone. That's why I had Marlon Mack as as a, a buy low candidate early on in the season. He hasn't played, which is not ideal. But with that said, to me, it's Ceh. It is like Lamar was definitely up there. I, I drafted him high in one of the pools, and it, it has not worked out for for you know the big stands here. But to me, it's Ceh. Like I had some others. I know no one's going to talk about them, like T. Y. Hilton, Le'Veon, they. Didn't really play. Oh, I had T.Y. I, I, thought, I thought of Zeke too, but Zeke, you know, he's still like seventh amongst running backs. And even though he was drafted as the third or fourth, you know, to me,
0: it's C.E.H., Tom, Let me jump in on Zeke real quick before you throw to Tom. Well,
1: what if Tomes has him? That's why I, I want to throw to Tomes. You don't, then
0: let's go, Ian. The only thing I want to say about Zeke is that it isn't necessarily where his production is, right? It's that he just doesn't look good he looks like the second best running back in his own team. And I agree. It, it, I agree. You know, but, but that's why it's so staggering. That's why when you look at it, like you look at Lamar and you go, you are not the same player. You look at T Y Hilton, you say, you are not the same player. You know, you look at, you know, that's the same thing you're doing with Zeke. And when you look at CEH, like you're a rookie, like, I don't know what you are. You know, I, I think he was overhyped. And thus, it's causing a little bit of disappointment, particularly now with Le'Veon Bell. But, you know, when you're talking to someone like Zeke, I mean, it, this is a guy that, like, had, had a pathway to going number one in some pools. Like, particularly non-PPR pools. You could have made the case. Lamar's another guy like that. And T.Y. Hilton is another guy like that. I think, you know, those in, are the guys I really got to focus on. In regular football, I agree with you. It just doesn't look the same.
1: Because we're talking fantasy, that's yeah, why I went you're getting, If you
0: have Zeke right now, you're getting by. You're getting That's violent. what I'm saying.
1: With C E H, with where you drafted him, and again, I'm being obviously very selfish in my in my uh, in my analysis of this because I said that he shouldn't be drafted that high, but. Again, this is to me, it's C.E.H. EH finish us off here.
3: Mine is not a conventional pick. I'm probably going to take a flack from all three of you, but it's a pick that I took in all five of my fantasy leagues. And it's someone who I thought I was getting great value on. And I, I and I was really liked the situation coming into the season, even though coming off an injury and missing a complete season, but, but with a new quarterback in town and a guy who sling the ball, I honestly had very high or much higher expectations for AJ green this year. And I'll tell you why he was on my list too. Okay. I'll tell you why. Okay. Right now he is sitting 60th in for receivers in receiving yards. Okay. But he is in the top 15 for targets per game. Okay. And he's got a quarterback who is throwing the ball 50 plus times a game. And he is clearly not the guy there anymore. He has zero touchdowns this season. Gusek, zero. Even in 2018, when he only played nine games, he still finished with six touchdowns, okay? His longest reception this year is 22 yards. And he still does not have a single game over 100 yards. And he only has three games over 50 yards receiving. Yet he's still rostered in 66% of leagues, according to Yahoo stats, right? He's a six-time 1,000 plus yard receiver and one season still managed to get over 900 yards and only played 10 games that year. he is on pace this year to receive for a line of 63, 632 and zero touchdowns. They're not even giving him one. and I, that right there blows it for me
1: I watch I have Joe Burrow in our keeper League. I drafted him in the first round of our dynasty pool. I watch a lot of Joe Burrow. The eye test matches what you're saying, Tom's They He throws to him all the time and all the time he's left with his head down. Like, yeah. why did I do that? I, I agree with you hundred percent, but we got, we got to keep pushing on here, boys. We got two more biggest fantasy surprise. I'm going to jump in here quick because I have a bunch, but I'm going to, I'm not going to name them. I'm just going to name my winner. To me, it's Todd MF and Gurley. It's Todd Gurley. I don't think anyone thought that this guy would, would be able to walk let alone play football coming into the season. And this guy's putting up an average of 13 fantasy points a week with a few big, big games in there. And he's scoring touchdowns even when he doesn't mean to. So I'm picking Todd Gurley.
0: Ian? Yeah, I think my only concern with Gurley is that I think you are going to see some touchdown regression at some point, depending on what happens with Atlanta. But yeah, I mean, I think if you've got Gurley in the second or third or fourth round, I mean, you're pretty happy with where you are. To me, this is a no-brainer. I mean, the biggest the biggest surprise this season is DK Metcalf and it was between him and another guy. And I wasn't, really? I wasn't sure it was between him and another guy. And I, I probably should give it to the other guy, but DK has been so good that it, it just, he has, it, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I number think, you rec- know, number one receiver in fantasy, right? Ian? He is. And I think, you know, it's interesting if you did a fantasy draft today and you only, you're in a keeper pool and you could only draft the wide receiver position. Where would DK Metcalf go? He'd go one. There's an argument to be made that he goes number one. So well, who to who me, else taking? well, no, I, I think at the end of last year, if I asked you this question six months ago, this is why DK Metcalf is where he is. If I asked you that same question, a lot of you are probably saying AJ Brown, um, maybe Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe one of these guys, right? But age, based with mixed with production, it's I think it it could possibly be Metcalf, although Devontae Adams is going to have uh, have his say about that. But yeah, I mean, I think Metcalf's been unbelievable. You know, last year he ended as I think wide receiver thirty in that range, which is solid. A lot of ten team leagues, that's a that's a perfectly viable wide receiver three. Um, so last year he had four plus receptions eight times, six plus receptions three times. Games of 75 plus yards, did that five times, 100 plus yards once, and multiple TD games he only did it once. So that's a pretty good rookie year. This year, remember, we are seven games in. He's got games of four plus receptions six times. He's already knocking on the door of what he did last season. He's done six plus receptions twice and including 12 last week. He's done. He's got over 75 yards of six of seven games. He's done 100 yards three of those games and 150 once, which is last week. And he has two multiple touchdown games, and his touchdown rate is off the charts. This guy, this is improvement. What you're seeing is improvement across the board. If you're averaging out those numbers throughout the entire season, we're talking about one of the better wide receiver seasons that we've seen from a second-year guy maybe ever. The biggest fantasy surprise this year, because chances are you were banking on upside with Metcalf. Maybe you're taking him as number two, number three somewhere. This is wide receiver primo one production, which the fact that he was like the sixth receiver taken in his own draft and he's wide receiver one already, absolutely bonkers. It's Metcalf. you,
1: You have to tie in as well the fact that he is tied at the hip to Russell Wilson for the next three, four plus seasons. Which sure. you have to take into consideration. So, Tomes, yep, who's your biggest fantasy surprise?
3: Yeah, one, of the 2020 one for, season. One for me was was a guy, and depending on who you read or what sources you have when when you're prepping for your drafts, uh, was a guy that had an average ADP of in the ballpark between 130 and 150. Okay, and it's someone who's performing much much higher than what his ADP says, and that's right. That's Ryan Tannehill. For me, I, I I love what he's what he's been able to do there. It, it, he's been entertaining to watch too he's found new life there and and i'll keep it short and sweet i mean he right now is eighth in, in fantasy points scored by a quarterback with playing seven games and five of those quarterbacks ahead of him right now are either currently on a bye this week or have not had their bye week yet right and, and, and for me it's the ratio 17 and third 17 and three rather, his TD to interception ratio right now ranks seventh among all uh, quarterbacks, or, or sorry, rather his quarterback rating is ranked seventh among all quarterbacks right now. And and he's been a fun guy to watch. He's someone I've drafted in a couple of my pools, and I'm, I'm happy that, that I have him. And hey, continue riding him, man! Come on, Connor. I know he's
2: got a lot more weapons this season, but the fact that Tom Brady's fifth in standard scoring, at least on ESPN. Yes. Is insane. His it ADP, insane. You, were, you were probably able to get him in the sixth or seventh round of most pools, assuming you're in a 12-ish man pool or 12-team pool. But being able to get someone like that that late, and then like we talked about before, right, Lamar Jackson really not showing out like we saw last season. The, the, I mean, this is where fantasy titles are won, right? Because instead of taking Lamar, you can take other people. You're getting that production out of a quarterback late. It's unreal. Another guy that I did have and I want to make sure we touch on, Justin Herbert because yeah, he's
1: also on my list.
2: Yep. Very good. Because his, he's averaging almost 30 points in standard scoring a game, which is insane. And he like, he might end up being the waiver wire pickup of the season for some people.
0: So, so we're going to get to that. We're going to yeah, get to that. So let because we're what, there what right. we're talking what we're, hang on, Sean, what we're talking yep. about there, right. Is more so league winner types guys you get maybe on waivers or get super late in drafts that end up like that end up, the CJ Anderson
1: and the CJ Anderson Award.
0: Yeah, to torpedoing you to type. So we're going to get to that. That's the next one.
1: Well, we're getting there right now. So I'm throwing right back to you, Connor. Because before we get there, though, by the way, we, we can't. We have to mention James Robinson. This guy was yep. like an undrafted yep. in most pools. Oh man, is like running running back seven right, running back five right now. So again, props to him. I had Herbert as well. I had Brady, but uh, Connor, I'm throwing right back to you. The league winner, the the coming to your title team soon award goes to who for you,
2: Brady? I mean, that's I honestly thought that was going to be a really good transition into what we were doing next. Uh, Tom Brady's my guy, period. You already heard me talk about him, so there you go.
1: Okay, all right. So, to, Tom's,
3: do you want to piggyback off that? Yeah, I mean, I, I when I first looked at this, I was like, oh my god, Russ, if you have Russ on your team you should be in the top one two of 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 your league and you should be cruising to the playoffs right to be fair though that's valid considering he was probably the sixth or seventh yeah i mean i mean like he's projected the most remaining fantasy points by 30 plus points for the remainder of the season right so I, i had some notes on him i really wanted to pick him um but but there's a guy i just can't stop taking my eyes off and it's a guy that we've all Talk before, you, before
0: you go there before you go there yeah. can i just say so you just said russ is projected to win the fantasy points by 30 right 30 he's, or so projected in terms of
3: every player's remaining fantasy point total he's supposed to be the highest with with a, a gap of 30 plus points
0: so to put that in perspective for you what lamar did last year he was at like 70 or 80 So when you talk about, we talked about disappointments. We talk about league winners. He was like 70 or 80. He was doubling Russ two and a half, maybe even insane, insane. Insane. So it's not Russ for you.
3: No. And then, you know what, for me, it's, it's somebody I wanted to go look at, at someone who, you know, those good managers out there that either took risks and drafted guys or, or real quick. You know, with their Twitter updates, and they go and they they pick up guys off the waiver, and it's someone we talked about, and I won't talk long about him. And for me, it's Justin Jefferson. Man, I, I just mm-hmm. cannot get over what this guy is doing. And every time I have to see him do it, it reminds me of the fact that the Eagles could have had him, and it breaks my heart.
1: So I looked at it that way as well. I looked at it more as the like I said, the C.J. Anderson Award. Who you know, you add to your team. He's he won me a title that year, so I under, I, I know that. To me, that person this year is gonna be Chase Edmonds. And mm. I, I know that oh, yeah. Kenyon is not out long term. I guess that's it, interesting. But Chase has done this before, where you put him into a couple games, he puts up 125 with two touchdowns, and I and it's not like Kenyon Drake was blowing the doors off in Arizona. He's been no, consistent. he was on my list of most disappointing by the way. He, well, and to me, I think that would be unfair because he was such a flash in the pan last year. It's like Devontae Parker. Like, can you really call him disappointing? So to me, I think it's going to be Chase Edmonds. My my runner up, I don't think you're going to have it, Ian. That's why I'm bringing it up. Is basically any 49ers running back. So whether that's that's Wilson Jr., whether that's Coleman who comes back from a knee injury, whether it's Jarek McKinnon who's kind, of, who's kind of carrying it. But to me, it's Chase Edmonds because I think he's shown this before. I think he can show a flash in the pan over the next week or two when Kenyon Drake is
0: out. And I think they run with them. I'm I'm shocked that none of these guys were mentioned. Um, so when I initially did this exercise, the first name that came up to me was Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt was a guy who, you know, in, in 10, 10 team leagues, he's probably taken the sixth or seventh round. So it's not like he's crazy late. But in non you know, so that's pretty good value. In non-PPR pools right now, he's the number five running back. So... That to me, like that's what you get. You take a guy in the mid rounds, he turns into a stud. That's what wins you your league. So that was the first guy. Then there was a certain guy in Washington I liked that was way outperforming his ADP. And that was Antonio Gibson. I liked him too. To me, as long as this person can continue production in the teens and 20s, the answer has to be Chase Claypool. And Chase Claypool's ADP was... Two hundred and fifty eighth overall that is crazy late that means that this guy wasn't even you know unless you're in a massive he was massive not drafted pool, he, he was, was not, not drafted. drafted so now he's and he was taken as the 84th wide receiver now number 12 now i know since deontay came back and you know there's been some weird games where he had that one big there were some ju- week. yeah yes. yeah for sure but there were some juju games where juju was getting the ball but if chase cleeple can can even perform in the 20s, that getting a guy that's that's completely not drafted and performing in the 20s is a massive, massive, massive advantage, particularly when he is prone to blow up weeks like that. Chase Claypool's a lot like Tyler Lockett that way. The last guy that I had on my list here, and I'm shocked he wasn't mentioned, particularly by the man here with a beard. And that is, well, I guess there's two guys here with a beard, but the the Eagles fan in particular, and that's Travis Fulgham. And this is a guy that was nowhere near drafted. Like, you could have a 40-team fantasy league, 16-player rosters, keeper league, whatever. That guy was not drafted. Right now, he's wide receiver 25, and that is going up every single week. And this is a guy that was not involved in the offense for the first, what, five weeks of the season. What he's doing right now is remarkable. This is a, a genuine wide receiver, too, every single week. And he was nowhere near the draft radar. So, you know, I have those four guys. Those guys could be league winners. But I I like your picks, too. I think Edmonds is really interesting. I think Edmonds is objectively,
3: objectively Arizona's best running back. Those are all good answers. I like them. Fulgham, since coming in and and playing, is, if I'm not mistaken, fourth or fifth in total yards um, since that week for receivers. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we
1: have some breaking news before we get to picks and and we are short on time. So we, we have to, we have to get through this, get to picks. But the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden have been fined for COVID-19 protocol violations. And I will read the the statement. The Las Vegas Raiders will be fined $500,000 and stripped of a sixth round draft pick for COVID-19 protocol violations, according to a report from Yahoo Sports' Charles Robinson. Head coach John Gruden will also be fined $150,000 per Robinson. The violations are related to right tackle Trent Brown's positive test in October, and the team was deemed a repeat offender, which led to the fines and stripped of the draft pick. Other violations by the Raiders, per ESPN's Adam Schefter, include Gruden not consistently wearing a mask on the sideline, a number of players attending an indoor large gathering and being photographed not wearing masks, and the team allowing an unauthorized person into the locker room after a game. More details to follow. Boys, the Raiders are gonna Raider. Raiders
3: have already been fined, right? Bond, yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well,
1: like,
3: like before this, I mean, for well, not wearing Matt screwed wasn't, in, right?
2: Wasn't it Week Two? They got week fined. Uh, it was like a combination they, of like a hundred thousand. We, yeah. we, we talked about this
0: us. when we we <laughs> talked about this when we talked about the Justin Turner incident in the World Series. There, this is a this is a perfect microcosm of what's exactly going on in the United States of America right now, which is you have different groups of people that just believe that the truth and the facts don't matter. And, you know, they are, the Raiders are just one of those teams that just don't believe that this virus is real. And just like there's people out there that don't believe the virus is real that just like the people out there that think the election is rigged. What do we call those people? Fucking morons. So John Gruen and the Oakland Raiders, you all qualify. Let's get two picks.
1: And speaking of what is real, what's real is our record from last week's picks. All four of us, including a special guest, picked all six games last week. Uh, We had Ian and myself, both had the exact same picks. We went two and four. Tomes went four and two. Connor went three and three. But the star of the podcast last week was my three-year-old son, Carter, who went four and two straight up, picking three underdogs and 5 and 1 against the spread.
0: One well, thing I will say, the real star of the show was the the real star of the show was the underdogs in general. They were 8 and 3 versus the spread last week
1: and they've been they have been consistently mm-hmm. consistently winning whether it's straight up or against the spread. They've been covering the spread a lot over the past four weeks, which is losing, which makes Vegas very happy because a lot of the public is losing money. And that's why I've been two and four for the past three freaking weeks. But guess what? I don't learn my lesson. I'm he- I'm heavy favorite this week. So let's get to the first game. The Seahawks are at the Bills. Uh, the Bills are plus three at home. Over under is 55. Tomes, who do you have this week and why?
3: I mean, for for me, it, it's 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 the Seahawks I mean I I can't continuously come on and talk with you guys about how impressed I am with this team and and what they're doing and that offense and then not take them I also I mean this this, the line to me doesn't seem like it's enough I mean the Bills this is a team now in back-to-back weeks who I mean like they've pulled it off but have 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 not impressed me whatsoever uh, that being against the Jets and then uh, against against the Patriots. Um, I don't see an issue for for Russ in that offense here. I, I have the Seahawks in the over in this one.
2: I've got the over too, but I'm going with the Bills, man. I, just, I hate West Coast teams going east for that early game. Period. End of story. I, I think that Bills defense will be able to get enough stops to help them out. I, I want the points. Give me the points. I want the Bills.
0: I completely get what Connor's saying. I don't love the travel aspect either, but one thing I will say is that Buffalo allows a passer rating of 97.7 and 7.3 yards per pass. Tom's who are the, who are the two best wide receivers on the Seahawks? Can you remind me? It's Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. What do those boys do better than just about anyone? Score touchdowns and catch balls. And they pop the lid off the defense. So yeah. if, if you are giving up a ton of yards per catch and your passer rating is through the roof, the absolute last three people that I want to see come to my football field is Russell Wilson, D.K. Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. Now, I, I do think we see a Lockett game this week because I I would suspect that D.K. is going to see a lot of Shredavious White. And I think he's going to see some Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde over there as well. So I, I think this could be a Lockett week If for all the fantasy heads out there. It's just really hard. And I think, too, is – Josh Allen has really struggled the last four games. Like he has looked replacement level for those games. And I think, you know, obviously the MVP conversation with him is, is very much over, but you know, th- this is someone that is not coming in to play Seattle. Who's who is not a good pass defense on its own um, in, in his best form. Now, if there's ever a time to, to fix your game, it's against that Seattle pass defense. Here's the reason I'm going to Seattle. Carlos, Carlos Dunlap looks like he's going to play. Jamal Adams is going to play. This is bordering on lock for me. I have Seattle and over in this one. I can't agree with you more.
1: I can't agree with you more. And what's weird is to think of Seattle and Buffalo having absolute dog shit defenses is weird. Mm -hmm. It's weird, but they do. This is going to be a shootout. And that's with the understanding that Josh Allen has been awful. Awful the last three or four weeks. He was an, in our MVP collage. He surely is not anymore. I also have Seattle. And I like MVP Wilson going against this defense. I, Connor, I hear you. I hate West to East. I hate, it. I hate it. it. It never works out. Or for the most part, does not work out. But the Bills aren't trending in the right direction. And at least... I wish that the the pass defense of the of the Seahawks was better. It's thirtieth in the in the NFL. Again, Jamal Adams not playing hurts. That hurts. Uh, the oh, Griffin corner. No, I, it, that hurts their overall pass defense. Not necessarily. Oh, that it just wins, hurts, it hurts their white defense. Of course, it, it hurts that the uh, not uh, who's the cornerback Griffin Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille's the cornerback. He's missed a lot of time. He's he's very good. So again. <sighs> To me, it's Seattle, and I think the over is a no-brainer here. So let's get to the second game. This one, I I just put in here for fun. The Denver Broncos are at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are getting three and a half for some reason. The over-under
0: is 50. Let me go. So, Ian, I'm upset. I'm upset about this. Go ahead. Why the fuck are the Falcons favored? They're 0-4 at home this year. They are dog shit. what are we doing? Like, you know, they they have this, you know, it's funny for whatever reason, Vegas has this, this weird thing with Atlanta where they give them way more respect than they ever deserve. Is this because they beat Carolina on Thursday night last week? First of all, it's Carolina. That defense is terrible. New head coach, new quarterback without their best player. Like, what are we talking about? And why exactly are they favored in this game? I mean, we have a game on this list that's a pick This feels like probably it should be a pick maybe even Denver minus one. You know, here's the other problem. Calvin Ridley likely isn't going to play for the next three weeks. This is not the Denver defense that won the Super Bowl. I understand that. But Calvin Ridley not playing, like, isn't ideal. And Julio's been awful.
3: Well, I don't, I don't mean think that as,
1: as disrespectful to Julio, but just from an overall stats perspective, he has not been
0: good. Here's the, here's the reason it's Denver. Drew Locke is starting to, starting to gain momentum. The more he can play shit defenses, the better chance he has of gaining his momentum. He, you know, he has that comeback against the Chargers last week. He's dancing on the sideline. He's feeling himself. That's good. He's the type of player that needs to feed off his own positivity and his own Energy. I mean, Baker's like that. Baker's the kind of guy who needs to be needs to be like flexing on everyone because that gives him his edge. And Locke is the same way. Maybe not as flamboyant with it. the The Falcons are one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. They are giving up an insane, 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 insane 300, 311.4 passing yards per game. And Dante Fowler, their objective objectively their best pass rusher, is likely not even in play. It is the Broncos here. I think their defense is coming along just a little bit. I got the Broncos in this one. And I, I, you know what? This is a lock. Put it in Sharpie. Put it in Sharpie. Republicans, put it in Sharpie. This is a lock. Tomes, Ian called you out.
3: Jump in. No, when it comes to, you know, Ian, you're talking about respect and Vegas giving respect to the Falcons. Time to start putting some respect on my boy Drew Locke. I know you why? guys, you guys, why? He's, I, he's starting to feel himself. He th- Every week he's got a good line. Last week it was, you know, Darth Vader. I embrace this underdog role, blah, blah, blah. I'm the bad guy. This week it's, you, you don't like my, my dancing when I score touchdowns? Well, get used to them because you're going to start seeing more of them. It, it's, I don't know. He's got some weird swagger to him. It's, listen, the, the and Sean, sorry, the Falcons stink. They do. And, and and if you have a, a, a hurt Julio and you're missing Calvin Ridley, those are those are your, your weapons up front there. Uh, I I honestly, man, I, what's crazy is I, I, I kind of flip flop back and forth a little bit here. But for me, I, I still believe in this Bronco game uh, or Bronco team that that they can go in there and pull this off. It, it's not that crazy. I don't think it is. And and I think we could potentially have a Jerry Judy see, uh, uh, sighting this weekend. We could. Well,
1: you mentioned that Drew Luck has wow. some good lines. He has some good lines. You know what he doesn't have? Good stat lines. So the ones that matter, he sure as shit does not have. Connor?
2: piggyback off of what you just said about those receivers. I'm not necessarily going to go – straight up with the Judy route but I do think having Hamler back for a second week to stretch the field for the other weapons is going to help a ton especially for a team that very you know you can tell really wishes they still had Sutton um I also don't understand why Vegas loves the Falcons so much um I'm going to take the over I I like the Broncos in this one I think this this smells like one of those weird games again where the Falcons are going to have the lead for most of it and they're going to find a way to crap their pants like we're, we're going to see them reinvent a way to lose, and I'm actually really excited for it. So
0: well, like, purposely- I think that where the three and a half would make sense – sorry, Sean. Where the three and a half would make a lot of sense is that if that building was packed, Um, just to let everyone know it's 2020, that building isn't going to be packed. This spread is ridiculous. Now that I say that, Atlanta's going to win, but this spread is ridiculous regardless of what happens. So <laughs> I hate this game.
1: I hate both these teams. How can you pick the Falcons? How can you? They find unique ways to lose every single week, which is the most entertaining storyline in professional football right now, is how will the Falcons find a way to lose? Ian, you mentioned that they are 0-4 at home this year. That's not even the worst part of the stat. In the last 11 at home, they're 2-9. and nine. Straight up. Not even against yeah, they, the spread. Straight they got to be home favorites, though. They gotta be home. Fit. But again, three and a half is basically saying that on a neutral field, this would be a pick'em. That's what that's saying. And I'm picking the Falcons. I don't feel good about it, but you're talking about that their pass defense is dreadful. It is 28th in the league, but Drew Locke doesn't scare me. They're to me, fuck it. I'm going with the Falcons. <laughs> so let's get on to the the Falcons of the West. The Las Vegas Raiders are at the Falcons of the West, Los Los Angeles Chargers. The line is a pick'em. The over/under is a fifty-two. I'll go first, uh, Ian. Who's playing in the secondary for the Chargers this week?
0: Well, they traded Desmond King. Desmond no, King isn't, isn't he hurt? No, they traded him to the Titans. So it's probably going to be is Casey Hayward. Still playing because Chris Harris. Well, is Chris hurt. Chris
1: Harris is not playing,
0: and Desmond King's gone.
1: So and their star is dead for the year. What's his name? Oh, Connor's boy. Derwin. Uh, Derwin James. The, he's Derwin, gone. For the that's year. it. So we don't know who's playing in the secondary for the Los Angeles Chargers. But, but what to we do be know, fair,
0: to be fair, Rayshon Jenkins. Derwin's replacement has been pretty solid. Nasir Adderley's fine. But yeah, I mean, it's not not great. But
1: what we do know is who's playing quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. And that person is Derek Carr. And dunk down Derek is not beating Justin Herbert. I'm sorry. He's just not. And I am going to take the Los Angeles Chargers. Listen, Justin Herbert really has impressed me. I know we've spoken about this a lot, but the Raiders' defense is atrocious. It is atrocious. If if you just take this Chargers team and you put them in, say, a Giants jersey, this would be the lock of the week. It would be a lock of the week. But because they're the Los Angeles Chargers, we can't make it a lock. Because, to my point earlier, they are the Falcons of the West. They find ways to lose all the time. They find a way to win this week. I got the Chargers here, and I definitely have the over of 52.
3: Tom, oh, so what it? do we got? And, and because of that there, I, I I refuse to believe that this team is going to win games because of that. They, they've shown me, right, that they, that they, they, they can't close out games. I, I expect the Raiders to come into this game. And just continue to pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. See if you can stop the run. And then we're going to take a shot downfield. We're going to go play action over the top. And then let's see if you can cover us. And, and simple for me, I took the Raiders this one. I'm taking the over as well. though. You do have Raiders. That's interesting.
0: Um, I'm not convinced the Raiders are any good. Their offense has cratered lately. Derek Carr is back to being Derek Carr. Regardless of what's happened, Herbert is slinging that thing. And he needs to continue to sling that thing. Don't do not let anyone else get in his way. I think the Chargers are a really good football team for 50 minutes. And then the final 10 minutes, they just legit, just shit all over themselves. But are the Raiders good enough to take those last 10 minutes? Maybe, maybe. But, I, but at the end of the day, if it's a pick em, I'm going to, first of all, see who's playing at home. And then the next thing I'm going to say, who is objectively the better football team? And I would say the Chargers are a better football team. They are more they are more balanced. They Their best player is better than the Raiders' best player. I am going to roll with the Chargers in this one. All right, Connor, tell us where we're wrong.
2: Honestly, it's a pick I'm taking the home team and I'm taking the over. That Raiders defense stinks. Herbert looks really good. You guys have pretty much touched on every point that I really would say. Um, this uh, To me, I, this just smells like a game where the Chargers can bounce back and kind of feel good about themselves against a team that maybe looks like they're starting to finally slide a little bit here.
1: Hey, Tom's. We're throwing to you on this game. We have the Dolphins of Miami at the Cardinals of Arizona. The Cardinals are favored by four. The over-under is 48. Your team, Tua, talk us through it.
3: Yeah, man, I mean, it was cool to see that last week, but kind of let, let us down a little bit. I mean, that that first half, man, was that fun. Man, was that fun to watch? Um but I, I I I cannot go against uh Kyler Murray and that Cardinals offense right now, as good as this Dolphins defense is, um until Tua can sufficiently show us that that he can go out there under center, take the ball, and take control of this game. It's one game so far, one game plus two snaps. Um, For for me, uh, this is the only game out of everyone here that I took the under in, um, but I'm taking the Cardinals.
1: Ian, do you agree with Tom's?
0: Tua was a complete
3: non-factor last
0: week. And before we get started on – you know, before we get started on getting excited about the Dolphins, I think we need to we need to pump the brakes on the whole two of them. What we need to discuss is how good that defense is and just how they won last week. They won two defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdown. And, you know, we're looking at the Dolphins saying, wow, look, you know, look how good. But two had less than 100 yards passing. I think, you know... How what we need to start looking at with the Dolphins is how can they be the Bears? Basically, can how much can that defense keep them in games if Tua is only you know checking down two three yards two three yards a throw? I think that's what you need to watch. Um, Miami is one of the better defenses in football, though, so it is possible. Flores is amazing. I think they are allowing the fewest points per game in the NFL, and that's really good for a team that was stripping it down to the studs. What 11 months ago. Like that's insane to think about. So the one thing, Sean's boy, Chase Edmonds, I love a big game from him here. I think he's, as I said, he's Arizona's best running back. He's averaging 6.1 yards per yards per tote. Miami is one of the worst run D's, D's in the league, according to DVOA. And here's the thing, right? Miami's really good against the pass. So maybe for Kyler, you think oh, you know, maybe that's not so good. But you know what Kyler does really well? Run that thing. So if you're a bad team against the run, you have Edmonds and Kyler to worry about. I think Kyler rips them up. I think Arizona. And I think I'm going to take the under.
1: So, Connor, we're going to get to you in a second. But I'm going to jump in here. You mentioned it. You keep, everyone, you keep talking about how Miami's defense is great. They are the worst team in the NFL against the run. The Correct. worst. 32nd. Arizona is fourth in the NFL at running the football. A lot to do with Kyler Murray. So, okay, we don't have a big Hopkins game. That's fine. This is a lock for me. I'm shocked this line isn't seven. I know that the Dolphins deserve respect. They have been great. They have exceeded our expectations. But, and they were my pick for the biggest surprise of the year. But I'm sorry, four points at home with the East team coming West. I know it's not the same as a West team coming East, but to me, this is a lock. This is the Cardinals, absolutely. And when Joe Biden wins a selection and I get my big payday out of it, I'm putting it on the Cardinals. And it, with that said, I do agree with you, Ian. I do have the under 48 here as well. Connor, round us out.
2: Yeah, I have the under and the Cardinals here, too. I mean, I. We cannot stress this enough. Jared Goff playing terrible last week against that Miami team. I honestly feel like kind of masked a lot of the stuff that we saw. And now Tua was always going to take time. It is what it is, but it masked a lot of the stuff that we saw to Tua that still kind of needs work. It's only going to get better with reps, obviously, but he's not quite there yet. Um, Yeah. I'm taking the Cardinals at home. I'm taking the under.
1: Tua was awful. He was awful yards. Yeah, I, I, well.
0: I think the word is non-factor. Yeah. No, I think the I think word that's, is non-factor. I think that's more appropriate. Because, no, I think, no the,
1: because, I think the word is dog shit on.
0: terrible. He was off.
2: He's really hey. lucky he played against Goff last week because Goff <laughs> took the brunt of everything in the media. It was bad. Like.
0: Okay, so hang on. I do think you're being pretty unfair to Tua. I think they obviously tried to limit him and limit his exposure as best they can in that game. There was like... You know, it's not like there were any design deep shots or anything like that. I mean, th- they clearly tried to design a game plan that limited his exposure, limited the chance to get hit, tried to get the ball out quickly. And at the end of the day, like it worked. They won. You know, like I don't think that Tua was good by any stretch of the imagination. But to say he was dog shit terrible, I, I think I think the grade is an incomplete because we just didn't see what he could have been in a normal offense. I think as the games go on you can give more a more complete grade for Tua because they put him in a box and that box was limited. So I think Jared Goff No 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 no. Jared Goff Jared Goff gifted that game to the Dolphins. He was that was maybe the worst quarterback performance I've seen all season. Tua in what they gave him to do was not very good. But they also didn't give him much of an opportunity to shine either. They tried to limit his exposure as best they can. I'm not saying that Tua was good. He objectively was not. But I, I also wouldn't say, I don't think it's fair to say he was dog shit terrible because they didn't exactly give him any other chance to be anything other than like the biggest checkdown guy of all time.
1: Okay. That team, because of Jared Goff and their special teams scored two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown in what, 30 seconds? This is why I say that Tua was dog shit terrible. I'm not saying that he's going to be that. That is not fair to Tua. To say that he was objectively bad, dog shit terrible, is true. What I do not understand, and this comes back to our podcast last week, is if that's what you're getting, why aren't you playing Fitzpatrick? I, I just don't get this. It, it, I didn't get it last week. I don't get it now. You're four and three. You won a game last week against a competitive team. I just don't understand it. Go for it. The division's up for grabs. Go for it. And with the, the better quarterback for you right now, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do I think that Tua is going to be terrible? No. He's going to be fine. I do. But No, we just don't know sh- yet. They yeah, sheltered but- him. He had 50% of his passes for 93 yards. Okay, well, maybe, maybe this is the, maybe the most accurate the work.
3: Quarter, more, right? They, and, and but and Norrell, you're not going to do it now. Just, but you're not. But but, but this is a this is a team that is clearly ahead of schedule. I think, and I think they're Without thinking question. that too, right? And you look at now, this is a team with four picks in the first two rounds next year. Yes, right. Thank you, Houston. And, and and thank you, Houston, with one of them going to potentially be a top five pick, right? in the first round like this is a team that is ahead of schedule and a team that's thinking okay yeah we have a chance somehow maybe this year because the afc east is 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 shit right but but this is a team also thinking if it doesn't work out this year let's put ourselves in the best position next year to be predominantly one of if not the best team in this division and win. yeah but uh, and in my opinion the AFC, done... the afc east
0: it's
3: it's shit well, <laughs> <but> it, <laughs> or is it Honest. just shit?
1: <laughs> but they could have done that with Fitzpatrick. That's that's
0: I you no question? We, we gotta move can on. Can I ask you a question? No, can I ask you a sure. question? Sure. Let's say, let's say for fun. No one's gonna out shit the Jets. But let's say for fun, Houston ends up tanking all the way to the bottom, and Miami's the number two pick. Do they even consider pulling in Arizona if they love fields? No. 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 They've I, already I proven think, I, I They've already proven By playing Tua, they've proven that. Yeah, I think, Tennessee. You, I think
1: you see. They're not going to Josh Rosen Tua.
0: I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And I hate Skip Bayless. He asked some stupid question about Lawrence this week. I don't follow that bum. But I don't disagree. All I'm doing is asking the question. If Houston loses out and the Jets find a way to fluke into some games and they end up getting the number one pick, are they trading down?
1: potentially uh it depends what defensive player is sitting there the, I, I, no, don't think I, take, asking, I don't think the, I don't think don't think they at number two something like that I don't think they do something like that but I do think that they would bolster their defense their their defense which is already very good against the pass with something on that line to bolster their so run if you defense.
0: had a shot at Lawrence,
1: you're not even you're not even you're not even <laughs> me or Miami? Pretending. miami Miami's not no, they they by doing this, they've proven that they believe Tua is their guy. And they if also you believe ran that he if what about if you ran Miami, Connor? Oh, I trade oh, Connor? Go ahead.
2: I think it's tough because I don't even know that I'm out and out convinced that Lawrence is the best QB in college right now.
1: I agree with you. you think it's I
2: field. think there's two other guys that are being talked about big time. I think Mac Jones is gonna be a huge steal for whoever takes him in the middle of the first.
0: Okay. Well interesting exercise. Okay, let's we spent way
1: too much on this. But at the end of the day, I just I think the Miami's good. And I think they should put their best team on the field. I think their best team on the field does not include Tua Vila. So to the next game, which is the best game of the week. The New Orleans Saints are at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are favored by four and a half points. The over under is 51 and a half. Connor, jump in, buddy. What do we got?
2: The winner of this team is the best team in the NFC, right? No. I think so. Does anyone know, does anyone I, I, I didn't want to I bring it, I'm it up. If New bring Orleans it up
0: before. wins this game, if New Orleans wins this game, you have to think that they are at least on par with Tampa.
1: But you so, have Se- you have Seattle, and you have Green Bay. Uh, to me, I, again, I sorry, to, Connor, to, to hijack your, your second no, I, 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 just, I just didn't. You mentioned it earlier. I didn't want to jump in. I don't think that if the Saints win this
0: game, that it's it's an indictment that if they are New the Orleans best team in the If New Orleans goes into NFC. Tampa on prime time and bitch slaps Tom Brady, they have to at least be considered.
1: Mentioned, yes, but to me, they'd be in a tier below. Sorry, Connor, go ahead. So,
2: no, you're good. So I, I posed that because I wanted to hear if someone would bring up what Ian said, because I think the reverse side of this too is, you know, we've seen Breeze struggle throwing downfield, but he can still get the ball out really, really, really quick and accurate. And that's how you beat a team that comes at you like this front seven. True. Now, I'm just... I'm still taking the bucks. I still for even without fans I still don't trust the Saints away from a dome. Um I'm taking the bucks and I'm taking the over. But I th- God, this this is going to be
3: close. I think this could come down to a missed field goal for this to cover.
1: Tom's jumping.
3: It, you nailed it there con. I, I can't trust the Saints team playing outside. They showed it last week. It's weird, man. It's but like I I don't know. I don't, I don't trust it. It, it. We've gone back and forth on on a couple different episodes here with with Breeze and Brady and who looked worse and who could have the better season. I mean, there's, there's no question about it that, 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 that Brady is having the better season. I I, I honestly think that the Bucs are the better team. Um, I think, I think they do not have any troubles in this game. I think they take care of this handedly. I'm taking the Bucs and I'm taking the over in this one as well, too. The Bucs are objectively the best team in the NFL.
0: I am finding it hard to trust the saints when they just haven't looked right all year five does feel like a lot in a divisional game though and with those two geezers playing quarterback you never know you know how one's going to show up and how one isn't you know i I, michael thomas you know i i leaned bucks but michael thomas being back does make me a little nervous like it does change my mind if i'm betting the bucks you know but is he the antidote of all of New Orleans' problems. I mean, it's entirely possible. I mean, the guy caught like 140 balls last year. And on the other hand, Tampa Bay is getting healthy too. Chris Godwin's back, and Antonio Brown is set to make his debut. Here's the reason I'm taking Tampa I have a feeling that Brady's going to want to flex hard with his new weapon, Antonio. And I think that because of that, he's going to want to blow it out. I know that last time when he had, when he got Antonio Brown to New England, he tried to get that dude the ball as much as he can target in the Miami. Red zone. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think this now Miami then is a lot different than New Orleans now, but I do think that Tom is going to try and use this as an opportunity to flex. He's on national TV. He's got all of his weapons, you know, kind of what you're seeing with Rogers tonight, where, you know, he doesn't have a running game because everyone's hurt and he's just slinging that thing. And I think you could see something from Brady. This pick makes me super uneasy. Like, I want to make this clear. If I was a better and actively betting on this game, I would stay away because I think New Orleans gets up for this game. I think Mike Thomas being back, he's their most important player. But I am reluctantly, reluctantly, reluctantly going to take the Bucks here. Um, and I think it's slightly under, but I'm not sure.
1: We're missing the storyline of the night. Will Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown throw hands at any point in this game? That's what I want to know, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Ian, you mentioned Godwin is playing. That is not the case. He is very much questionable. He did a walkthrough today with his broken finger. It is very possible that he does not play in this game. But to your point about Antonio Brown, it does provide a little bit of insurance. The Bucks right now are the better team. And what I'm excited for is the revenge game factor. You brought up you brought up Tom Brady, and to me, I think that we're kind of getting the sense now that you know the New England thing with Belichick. I love Bill, but Tom is kind of taking the cake right now, and they got crushed in ga- in the first game of the season. I know Tom Brady had that perfectly scripted first drive of the season. I was with you at your place when it happened. And then after that, it all went to shit and the new Orleans saints dominated them the rest of the game. So what I'm looking towards is where are the difference makers? Where is there an advantage? Well, on the new Orleans side, new Orleans has dominated Tampa. They're seven and three in their last 10. But a lot of that Tampa was with A little bit of Mike Glenn, Right. We're talking now with Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time, Hall of Famer. You guys all went Bucks. I'm also going to take the Bucks. I did not pick this, but I'm also going to take the Bucks, even though the Saints dominate the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom, so I think you made a great point. Outdoors, even though it's warm, I don't love Drew Brees in that spot. But let's get to the last game. And. I want to pose it this way. So let's let's name the line first. So the, the the New England Patriots are at the New York Jets. The Jets are plus seven and a half. The over-under is a whopping 42 points. My first question, Ian, why does the NFL hate ESPN? Because we got the Saints and the Bucks on Sunday, and then this
0: garbage on Monday. I I, I don't even want to I don't even want to talk about this game. You know, like I I, I think. You know, on one hand, the Patriots are getting seven points, and it feels like a lot because they stink. On the other hand, it's the Jets and Belichick kills the Jets. It's the Patriots here. I don't even want to talk about it. it. Makes me sad.
2: Yeah, same. I'm going to take the Pats. I look if if Newton can't bounce back this game, he's just not going to bounce back this season. And we're going to start to see the you know even if the Patriots win and they don't cover, that's really really not a good sign against this team.
1: Holmes, the Jets couldn't cover twenty last week, and you picked them anyways. Are you taking them again? Uh, no,
3: no, not this time. <laughs> Could have went five and one last week. Jeez. I was sitting there watching that game too, thinking, what was I thinking? No, oh, when Fire you're hot, else. you're hot. No, you know what it is? I, and again, I don't want to waste too much time, but like the the only thing here is, you know, the, they are not losing to this Jets team, and Bill is not losing to Adam Case.
0: Not happening. It's it's not
3: happening, right? Hold on,
1: though. We did this last week. We said there's no way that the Patriots are going to lose, coming off an embarrassing loss. We did this.
3: I I feel like that 2011 AFC game still rings in Bill's head every time he faces the Jets and having to hear Bart Scott and all the crap. But when when Damian
1: Harris was 14 years old.
3: Yeah, no, for me, I, 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 even if even if they they don't win this handily, I can still see them covering this, and, and I don't know, I'm taking the pats here.
1: I, I agree with Ian. I'm not talking about this game. They couldn't even cover 20 last week. I know it's against my Super Bowl favorite, but, and I know, listen, we talk about the, the Jets are terrible at everything. The thing they're actually good at is defending the rush. The only thing the Patriots can do is rush the football. But I'm sorry. I think I would rather watch Tucker Carlson talk about
0: the election than watch this game. No and chance. With that said, I'd watch this. I'd watch this game. I'd watch this game if you tape. You could tape my eyeballs open. Yeah. You talked about Derrick Henry last week. Would you rather tackle Derrick Henry? I would rather. I would rather tackle Derrick Henry without pads than have to watch Tucker Carlson talk for ten seconds. That guy is. An overwhelming, an overwhelming dildo. Would you? But would you rather talk about the election?
1: But would you rather tackle Derrick Henry while watching, watching Jeffrey Tubin and watching Tucker Carlson?
2: At least Tubin didn't watch this game. Tubin was funny. Yeah, like I can laugh at Tubin. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but we can't laugh at the New England Patriots and the the New York Jets. So I'm also taking the Patriots. uh, To me. Yeah, and the over-under is inconsequential. I can see this game being 21-7. And again, I'll be watching Tucker Carlson. So that's it. We got our picks in. It's done. I'm sorry to my son, Carter. We'll get you next week. This guy's record is now intact. Now all these games are going to be completely out out of whack. Tomes, Murph, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm back to CNN watching the election coverage. Ian, please sign us off.
0: Thank you again for the boys for coming back on the chats some NFL chats and picks. Um, I know we're all a little distracted tonight, waiting the, the outcome of the election, because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're seeing if humanity, kindness, and love can win against eternal evil. So we appreciate you guys sticking with us. I appreciate you three for sticking with, with all of us as I, I know, you know, it, it's nice to talk football, but we want this thing over and we, we want to focus on that. So we appreciate you guys. And, As always, everyone, please be safe out there. Love always wins, and please wear your mask.